Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. I said, how's everybody doing today? It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. I hope that didn't kill the spirit. I just wanted something a little fun to go. But I came with some good news for you today. How many is ready to receive some good news? I came to give you some good news that we serve a God of a rebound. We serve a God of a second chance. We serve a God that can get you out of whatever it is that you're in. And we're going to have a great time in the house of the Lord today. If you got your Bibles, you guys ready to go? I want to bring this morning a message that the Lord has put on my heart. And we've said it, we seem to say it every single week, but, you know, 2020 has just been one of those years. How many can agree with that? It's like life came by and just gave us a big wedgie or something or a big noogie or, a, you know, if I could say it like that. It's just been like, what? Everything out of left field that could possibly happen has happened. But I shared something with our youth group a few months ago back when we were that in the thick of lockdown and things that were happening, I shared something with them that I want to share with you guys this morning. And those that are watching at home and those that maybe watch this, I know for some this would be a timely message. For others, it may not be time. This may be one that you put in your back pocket, but hopefully you can see it and listen to it and watch it in the appropriate time and it means something to you this morning. So I'm feeling a little athletic today, feeling a little athletic this morning in the gymnasium. It just kind of fits. But this is the scenario that I gave to our youth a few months ago. Picture this. You're in the state championship game. It's getting late in the game, and you're tired, and you're weary, and playing basketball, just so you know. You're in the, the late fourth quarter, and, 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 and it's about to be over, and your team is down by one. Your team gets possession of the ball, and you got a, 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 a last-minute play drawn up. The coach gave you something to do. The whistle blows, the ball is inbounded, everybody scrambles to get in position, and you, you see the ball rotates around to the star person who gets the ball, who doesn't ever seem to miss, but it just seems to happen, and he spots up for the, the game-winner jumper. The arc looks good. It's got the proper spin, the trajectory, everything looks good. And right before the buzzer buzzes, right before time expires, it hits the rim. All of your hopes, all of your dreams, all of your, hey, we're going to finally be state champions. We're going to finally be this. We're going to finally achieve this. And at the hands of the star point guard, the ball hits the rim. It doesn't go in. That's kind of been how 2020 has been for many of us. For many of us, it may have costed you your business. For others, it may have costed you that promotion. Maybe you were lined up. First of the year, the boss came to your office and said, hey, we're going to make a move here in the next few weeks, and you're going to get a corner office, and you're going to get a promotion or whatever the case may be. And that never took place because your business closed down or your business had to put all that on pause. For some, it might have costed you your wedding. For our high school seniors and being in the youth ministry and having one at home, I saw this one hit particularly hard. Our seniors really, really struggled with this one. Prom was taken away. Graduation was taken away. Senior skip day was taken away. Senior skip prank was taken away. College tours were taken away. Getting out early was taken away. All the little stuff that happens with our seniors taken away. Getting get really to say goodbye to your school and your classmates. 
Just a brief shout out to our youth staff, Amber and Katie, uh, coordinated some senior drops. You'll be seeing some of that hopefully on Facebook, some pictures and things, but we put together a little care basket for our seniors to drop them off, and many of you did the same. Thank you for that. God bless you for that. For others, this year, everything that's happened maybe it costed you that advancement, like I said. Maybe it costed you that new house you were dreaming for and saving for. And just because of everything happened, maybe something fell through. Maybe it costed you your car. Whatever the case may be, the shot missed. Bounced off the rim. We as a church, we were all excited about this is the year to arise, arise 2020, and, and here we go. We got this building, and we were working, and we were raising money, and we were having construction. We were doing all these things. I can't tell you how many times we set it up in the sanctuary when, when the lockdown was, 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 was at the thick of it, and there were 10 of us there. We had our production captains there, and we were, you know, managing social media, and we were, how many times did we say it? We got this beautiful building with $200,000 renovation down to 10 people looking at a camera on a box. Even now, look at us. We, we're in here spread out, spaced out, we got our masks on, we're doing fist bumps, we're doing high distance waves. I mean, it, th this year has been a year that has just been a left turn. But I got good news for you. Now that I got you good and depressed, now that I got you good and sad, now that I got you wishing you, we might have even lost some viewers. Felicia, tell me we didn't lose any viewers. You got to hold on, you got to hang on because I do got some good news for you today if you're willing to help me. I got to have an amen, I got to have a clap, I got to have a little support, I got to have some help. Because I came by to give you some, some, some good news today. That there still is hope. Even though you thought the game might be over, the game is not over. Even though you think the story might be over, the story's not over. Even you might think you've done too much and you've gone too far. Let me tell you, our God is a God who can bring it back around. So I want to entitle this message as we continue studying in the life of David. I want to title this message, Reversals, Reroutes, and Rebounds. Now, two of those three words describe 2020. I'm hoping by the end of this service, that third word you can put right in there. Hashtag God of recoveries. Let's go to our Bibles in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I'm going to try to read as quickly as I can this morning. I'd love to say this is going to be short. I'd love to say I'm going to have you out here in a few minutes. But my mama told me not to lie in church. I got four points. Six pages of notes. How many slides we got? A lot of slides. The production team would be know that I had that uh, quite a bit more and I shaved it down, but we're going to get through this. I, I believe the Lord is going to help some people in this church today. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. You there yet? Here we go. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag. They attacked Ziklag, burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there. From small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their own way. That's important to remember. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with them lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, yep, and yep, the widow of yep, and Carmelite had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the saw, or the, I'm sorry, because the soul of a lot of people was grieved, every man for his son and daughter. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, 
please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop, and shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered, saying, Yes, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you this morning one more time thanking you for your precious word. Father, we thank you for the life that it gives. We thank you for the direction that it gives. And Father God, I just pray that your word would go forth with clarity, with purpose, with anointing this morning. Lord, I just hide behind the cross today and we pray, God, that your name would be lifted up and that your word would come and be planted deep in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. How many can agree with me that there was a lot going on in that, in that one little passage of scripture? Let's try to unpack that a little bit because I believe that there are four things that we're going to learn from this passage of Scripture that are going to help us get through 2020. As Pastor said it, he said it, we're halfway through 2020. I would love to tell you that I, I just, I, I feel skittles and rainbows and gumdrops and sunflowers for the rest of the way. But I cannot say that with a clear conscience because in my spirit, I can't help but feel that we're just not through this thing at, just as of yet. I'm just telling you how I feel. I'm not telling you how you need to feel. Let me give four things. So let's unpack this. So the first thing we need to understand, that this little town is not a, a real well-known town in Scripture, but we do know a little bit about this town. And I believe this is for a reason. The word ziklag means pressed measure, pressed down. If that sounds familiar, that's because it is. Because the Bible says that he that gives, it shall be given back to him. Good measure, shaken together, pressed down, running over. Remember the old Ron Canoli song? That's what that passage is for. This is a Jewish expression of meaning utmost abundant blessing. It means that when you scoop those coffee grounds and you just pack them down in there and scoop a little bit more and you pack it down in there and scoop a little bit more because it's, it's filled to capacity. Listen, Ziklag represented the blessing of God. Here's why this is important to note. If you go back a couple of chapters over to the left of 1 Samuel 27, you'll see that the town of Ziklag was given to him by the Philistine rulers. Hmm, that's interesting. So I began to read into it a little bit longer. And it took me all the way back to Joshua chapter 15 to learn that Ziklag was originally given to the tribe of Judah. It was taken back over by the Philistines. And when David buddied up with the Philistines, he said, hey, I need a little piece of land for me. So the Philistines gave him Ziklag. See, they didn't even understand that they were giving God's man back God's territory, even though he was behind enemy lines. Can I tell you, you might be behind enemy lines today, figuratively, emotionally, spiritually. But let me tell you, God hasn't forgotten about you. And he is still blessing you. And he is still honoring you if you just have an ear to hear it and an eye to see it. Even though David was behind enemy lines, God was already restoring his man with his property. That's why I think it made this an extra bad sting because you got to understand, Ziklag was his only place to call home for that span of time that he was with the Philistines. He kept going there. That was his home. And the reason why he went back to Ziklag is because the Philistines finally kicked him out. And said, we don't want this man with us. They told the high priest to tell David to hit the road. So imagine this. So David had befriended these guys. They turned on him, and he's going back home, heavy-hearted. How many of you have ever been turned on by a friend? How many of you have ever been, been turned on by a family member? This is what David, this, this, i got to paint the picture for you, because later it may not make as much sense. This is how David was feeling. He was rejected by his new friends, and so he had to go home. It was a three-day journey that he had to go on horseback. And he got there. And the Bible says to see the place burning, to see the place 
ravaged. His wives were gone. All the wives were gone. All the children were gone. A desolation. So this morning, I got these four things with you, and I, I'm kind of, like I said, I'm kind of feeling athletic. So some of my, I brought, brought some gear here from back in the day, some, some balls, and, and uh, I'll explain that in a minute. But kind of to help me prove my points. If I could describe to you my childhood in three words, it would be this. Church, music, and basketball. In that order. We were in church probably eight, nine days a week. And every one of those days a week, we were there playing music. Prayer meeting, it didn't matter. Awake, it didn't matter. Dad just wanted me to play some music while he studied. I'd play some music while he studied. It didn't matter. I was in there playing. We'd be at Brother So-and-So's prayer meeting. Hey, get up there. Back in those days, we had specials. Christian karaoke, I like to call it. You hear sayings like, pray for me. I ain't practiced, but <clears throat> look how good I am. That, that last part was not out loud usually. So they'd go, and I'd have to go, and I'd have to go up, and I'd have to play a piano instrumental back in those days. That was something to do. Or we'd be playing music at our friend's basement or in the garage, having the neighbors call the cops, blowing amplifiers. We had a great time. Or we'd be playing basketball. That was our sport. See, we grew up in a, uh, I was able to go to a private schools. I was, I was counting yesterday. I was at six different schools growing up, and I was not a military kid. Six different schools. Four of them were Christian. The other were, were public. Yeah, four and two. So that, that was my upbringing. So in high school, we, uh, we, by the time I landed to the one I went to in high school, it was a smaller private school, and it was smaller. It didn't have a whole lot of kids to it, but, you know, it, we, we, had, we had school, and it was a good school. And so we wanted to have some sports. So we didn't have enough to have a baseball team or a, basket, or a football team, but we had enough to have a basketball team. And so back in those days, every Friday night was our game day, and our, the boys and the guys that, you know, we had the basketball team, and the girls made a volleyball team, and all the private schools in southeast Michigan created a league, and we would play each other. Back in those days, there were a lot of Christian schools around, big and small. Some of them are still around. The bigger ones are still around, but the small ones really fizzled out. But we, were, we would get together on Fridays, and we would load up in the van, and we'd go to that other church school, and, and the girls would get out first, and they would play a game of volleyball, and then the fellas would come out later, and we'd play basketball, and that was our life going up through high school. So I brought with you a little token to explain. This is an authentic jersey from one of my high schools. I had another one, but I couldn't find it. Wayne Westland Christian Academy. This is high-quality, private school grade, reversible. Even had our name and my number on the back. Reversible. I won't show the other side. It's green and white. I had it sitting on my porch when I was studying for the message, and my, my son Josiah said, Dad, what's with that state jersey back here? Then he saw my name on it. Dad! He thought I betrayed him. I said, don't worry, son. That was before I met Christ. <laughs> Come on, my Spartan buddies. I love you. I love you. So this is, I had to give you a little bit of back. So this is what happened. So, so we had these basketball teams, and, man, we were good. At least we thought we were. We were real good, and we, so before the game, you had to do this thing called layups. So, you know, we, didn't, we weren't from the most wealthiest side of town, so we'd get to the other wealthy schools. They had layup drill uniforms with the snaps on the pants. We'd be wearing street clothes, trying to be all cool. But what we would do is, you know, we'd have to go through and do layups. And you have to go through to warm up. The coach would be there. And we'd be watching the other team do layups. We'd be watching them see who had game. Oh, he ain't got no vertical. Don't worry about him. Oh, he's too slow. Oh, he's too fast. 
Oh, man, he's got a good shot. So that's what we'd be doing. We'd be assessing the situation because we were getting ready to engage in combat. So we wanted to know who to stay away from and who to double team. My first point to you this morning, church, is that we need to realize the situation and the day that we live in. Let me, let, let me give you, I, I, the Lord gave me some good stuff. I'm going to throw you some, some truth bombs today. So if you're taking notes, write this down. If we're not careful, we will exhaust ourselves responding to symptoms instead of dealing with the cause. If we're not careful, we will exhaust ourselves responding to symptoms instead of dealing with the cause. Church, let me tell you, our society has a lot of symptoms going on right now. Our society has a lot of symptoms, a lot of things that are happening. And we're too busy going to and fro and arguing and fighting and screaming and yelling and posting. And we're not willing to understand that there's a deeper situation going on in our country. It's not just politically. It's not just racially. It's not just social economically. It is 100% spiritual. Because I understand that if we would come to together and be like Christ and act like Christ and talk like Christ, then we wouldn't have to worry. You heard the old story when the young man goes to the doctor and says, doctor, my whole body aches. I touch my knee, my knee hurts. I touch my elbow, my elbow hurts. He turned 40, y'all. No. He says, I touch my ear, my ear hurts, and he touched my nose. And the, the old story, the doctor looks at him and he goes, son, there ain't nothing wrong with you except you got a broken finger. Some of us are walking around with our broken finger, touching everything and causing messes and causing fights and causing arguments. The Bible says that you need to get that finger fixed. Came up in Galatians yesterday in our men's study and said, listen, this is all of our problems are solved right here. If you are my disciples, Jesus said, you're going to love one another as I have loved you. Loving you, loving you in spite of the differences. The goal isn't to make everybody think the same and look the same and act the same and be the same. The goal is for us to get along and accept the differences, to agree. I say this all the time. If some of us can learn how to agree to disagree or disagree respectfully, your life and your family get-togethers wouldn't be full of so much dread. It's not always our job to change everybody's mind. i got to stay on my notes. Let me get back in here. Boop. Okay, so we can understand that this is a place of devastation. Sometimes we just need to call it what it is, and this is why my point. Because sometimes we go through life in a blur, especially before this whole thing started. Our pace of life was unsustainable. Our pace of life, we didn't know what day it was half the time. We couldn't tell you our kid's middle name half the time. I know I got four kids, but come on. That's just where we were. Sometimes we need to call it what it is. Here's another truth for you. You will never know what to do next if you don't know where you are now. Have you ever been on a drive? I did a lot of driving in my career uh, in sales. I did a lot of, there were many times where I got lost. And here's what I found. The more I kept driving lost, the worse lost I got. Especially before the days of GPS. There comes a point in time when you got to pull over to the side of the road and stop and understand where am I. Not where I think I am, but where am I really. And that's where we are right now as, as a society, church. We have to realize the situation. This quote came to my mind, the old Blues Brothers movie. You know, like when the two brothers are in the car, Jake and Elwood, and Elwood says there's 106 miles to Chicago. We have a full tank of gas a half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Jake says, hit it. The next thing is, the car goes off. Sometimes you just got to call it the way that it is so you can fix it the way that it needs to be. 
You can't take your car to a mechanic and say, hey, I need you to fix it. The mechanic says, well, what's wrong with it? I don't know. Just fix it. What's it I don't know what noise it's making. No, no. You, you, you need to tell them, oh, because it's doing this or it's doing that. You have to be able to diagnose it. There is wisdom in realizing what season you are in. Look at Psalms 90, 12. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of understanding. That word number there, you see, you got to understand, this is more than just taking a calculator and defining how many days you've been alive. That's fun and awesome to do. But there's more to this saying. Teach us to inventory our days. Guys, our days are valuable. This speaks to me when I was in sales. Every morning before I left the depot, we, we would have four categories of products. We had A, B, C, and D. And the A was the most sellers and all the way down to D that were, they never sold. We call them dog items. They just never sold. When I left my, every morning in that depot in my truck, I had to know exactly how many A items and how many B items and how many C items I had because it would cost me my paycheck. If I rolled around with the wrong items on my truck, I couldn't make any sales. If I couldn't make any sales, I didn't get a paycheck. If I didn't have a paycheck, I couldn't pay my bills. You see the effect of that. So I see, I see this, and I see this in a complete different ways, and this is a prayer. Lord, help us to inventory the days that we have. Did, did, going through quarantine and lockdown and shutdown, we talked about this with our students a lot. What did it teach you? What grade would you give yourself? Did you just sit and wait it out? Or were you making changes, and were you making adjustments? We'll get into that a little bit later. Let me back up. Look what Jesus said in Luke 19. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and he wept for it, saying, if you had only known, especially this your day, the things that make for your peace, and now they're hidden from your eyes because you did not know the time of your visitation. It's very important, guys. You have to look at the big picture because it will help you to know how to navigate the days ahead. Life is made up of a collection of seasons. You need to know that. Because I think so many times when things happen to us, we can't help but think this is the rest of my life. So how am I going to change this and make this be the rest of my life when sometimes things are just temporary? And sometimes you need to start thinking, okay, I need to stop thinking about what I'm doing today. How is what I'm doing going to affect me 20 years from now? How is what am I doing now going to affect me in eternity? Can I tell you, folks, as, tra as crazy as 2020 is in the span of history and in the span of eternity, it would just barely be a blip on the radar. I don't want to see my fellow brothers and sisters or myself lose my salvation in this temporary thing called 2020 or this temporary season that we find ourselves in to understand that this was just a moment in the scheme of eternity. We need to get back to realizing that we are made, we are made to celebrate eternity. We are made to live eternally with Jesus Christ as we are born again. This is not my home. This is not my place. This is not my final destination. I'm just on vacation. And I'm not going to go ruin my life because I'm on vacation because I know i got to go back home. We had an awesome Bible study talking about Philippians when, when Paul wrote to the Philippian church. And he said, guys, we're in this world, but we're not of it. In fact, our citizenship is not even here. Our citizenship is not even here. Think about it like this. Go to the ER. Go to the ER. An ER doctor has to deal with a lot of trauma. People that go into the ER, they're covered in blood, they're, covered, they're mangled, they're twisted, they're, 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 they've, got, they've got dirt all over them, their clothes are shredded. And that ER doctor has to go in there and look past the blood, look past the dirt, look past the hyper ant, look past all the clothes that are ripped. And they have to look at that situation and assess the situation so they know how to treat it. So they know that this person's not bleeding out, but they're trying to wrap a sprained ankle. 
on my Facebook, it came up 10 years ago that my little baby girl was four years old and broke her little arm. You might have saw that picture. And she was that cute as she was in that picture. I'll never forget that day they were in the backyard, they were playing, and they were sliding, and she came into the house screaming and yelling, and, and I couldn't see what was wrong with her. I thought she just had some grass on her, and I was dusting her off, and I said, you'll be all right, honey, go back out there and swim. And my wife was in the shower, and she came out because she heard the commotion, and she said, that girl's arm is broken. I said, no, it's not. And I'm moving it, and I looked, and it, it looked like an L. I said, okay, it's broken. Let's get her to the doctor. And, man, you should, I, I, I'm just going to tell on myself. I, I probably ran every red light. To that hospital. I don't know what I was thinking. I thought she was dying. I don't know. I mean, she was four years old, my little girl. She had this big, long red hair. And she, she's in the car, and she's just in her back seat crying, holding her arm. And I'm just running every red light. I'm running every stop sign. Get out of my way right now. I'm going to ram you over and take you to the ER with me. And so I pull up, and, I, and my, my air freshener's swinging, hitting the window. I, I grab her like some kind of, like, like some rescue show. And it's like slow motion. I kick open the door. Somebody help my baby. I'm screaming and I'm going from counter, I'm going, I'm carrying her around and people are looking at me like I'm the one crazy. Finally some lady comes and calm down sir, what's the matter? My baby, she broke her arm, you got to come help. And, and, and they had to calm me down because I know I probably made it much worse. But that's what an ER does is they go in and they assess the situation. There's a lot of loudness going on right now. There's a lot of hype going on right now. Some of it is justified and some of it is true, but there's a lot of noise in the room. And it takes a man or a woman of wisdom, of godly wisdom, to look through the noise, to look through the chaos, to look through the bleeding, to look through the hurting and see what the real problem is so they don't add to the problem. So they don't add. The first thing that doctor was is they took her arm and they said, let's get the pressure off. I didn't even think of that. They took the pressure off the arm so there would be no more blood flow to it. They stabilized. I'm thinking immediately surgery, correct this little arm. They had to do, that wasn't for days later. They had to do correction. They had to do treatment. First they had to get her pain under control. Then they had to do all these other things, things I never even thought of because I didn't know. Church, can I tell you, as smart as we think we are, we don't know. I'm not right 100%. You're not right 100%. You at home are not right 100%. But I know who is. Amen. David didn't try to pretend it wasn't happening. No, my, my city's not burning. No, my wives aren't gone. I'm so glad that movement is getting away from the church, but it was there for a while. I can't tell you how many times this year I've told my wife, honey, let's just sell the house and go. I've been watching living off the grid shows, and it's looking really tempting. I can build that for how much money? But let me tell you, guys. David, it wasn't the time for David to leave, and now is not the time for the church to leave. My dad said it yesterday. This is the church's finest hour. This is why we're here. If society has ever needed the voice of God through the local church, it is now. If society's ever needed direction, it is now. If society's ever needed hope, it is now. And not the hope that the world gives, the Bible says, but a blessed hope that is incorruptible, imperishable. The blessed hope through Jesus Christ. And it's up to you and me to carry that hope. So let's look at a couple of things that are happening there. Look, let's paint the picture of what was happening. Verse 2 said they were carried away and taken captive. Now there's something, to, the Bible makes it very clear to say that they were not killed, they were taken captive. Why? I think this, I think there's an extra, an extra burden that comes. Imagine if your child is kidnapped. You don't know where they are. You don't know what's happening to them. Do you know the fear and the terror as a parent that gives me, and I know it gives you, you don't know all, you don't know what they're doing, you don't know how they're being treated, and it's tormenting. I believe that's an extra level of torment. In fact, the Bible says that we can become imprisoned through fear, imprisoned through fear. It's an extra, it's a way of manipulating and controlling without having to really be there. The next verse 4 says, they cried until they had no power. How many times do you just want to go, ah! 
I the only one that's felt that way sometimes? With everything happening and it's just building up and it's building up. Sometimes you just got to, they, they cried until they had no more power to cry. Verse 6, David was distressed and the soul of the people was grieved. Now, I, I think this is very interesting to see how the Bible words this. The soul of the people, plural, was grieved. You know what that means? That's Greek for everybody was in a bad mood. The soul of the people was grieved. And if you read your footnotes, it may say bitter. Am I the only one that notices every time you go to the store, everyone is just in a bad mood? The world is ending and everything is happening. On the road, road rage, people are cussing you out because they got to wear a mask or they don't got to wear a mask or they're just in a bad mood and they don't know why. Guys, this is what's happening right now in 2020. Listen, there are many of us that are just heavy in our spirits and we don't know why. There are many of us that are just weary. We're just tired and we don't know why. Listen, it is because you're being emotionally drained every day of what's going on. Wake up. Be smart. Understand. There are days that I know I just wake up just in dread. Wake up in heaviness over what's going on in the country. You, we're just inundated with bad news. and bad. You ever watch the news? Look, you can even watch the news with the volume turned down. Now listen, this is very strategic in the media, in the media world. I'm not being political. I'm, I'm just saying being involved in audio video that I am, I understand the, the, the power of this. Watch the news with, with, with the volume turned off. And usually the images and the wording is not matching what they're saying. The font is always bold and usually in red or black or flashing. The images of whoever they're talking about are usually terrible and ugly and nasty. They'll comb through thousands of images to find the most unflattering one. And that's the one you see. Why? Because it's not what you hear, it's what you see, is what you get your opinions on. It is visual dictation. That is really happening. It is a real thing. There's a whole science behind font. There's a whole science behind all this stuff. And we're being inundated and we don't know why. It's kind of like when you work out and you're feeling good the rest of the day. Wait till that next day. Wait till the day after that next day, and you're just sore, and it finally catches up to you, and all of a sudden your leg is sore, and your arm is sore. That's what's happening to us. So the people were in a bad mood, but I love where it says, and David was distressed. David was distressed because, as I said earlier, he was going home, and it was a sucker punch. And I'm, trying to, I'm trying to hurry. It, it will go fast. As soon, the closer to the end I get, I promise. This is Leadership 101. Some of us want to be leaders. We, and nobody, it's amazing how nobody wants to be a leader now. Crickets chirping. This is the other side of that coin. Let's talk about that for a minute. How many of you give me some time? I, 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 give me, nobody raised their hand. Okay, I'm going to go as fast as I can. Okay, listen, God loves you. He's going to help you. Let's all pray. We're going to come. I got, Peter's going to lead us in one more song at the end, a special song I sent him to lead the team in, and we're going to have a great time if you can just hang with me. Hey, we had to install a deacon today. Come on, give me that 10 minutes back. Leadership 101, listen, you bear the burden of the people. David was distressed because his family was gone, but he was also distressed because his people were gone. Let me talk about this for a minute. David wasn't happy because his people weren't happy. Can I tell you right now that this is a burden that our leadership that carries that we may never know. We care about you, about your family. We care about what's happening with you. We care about, you're the ones we lose sleep over. Somebody acting a fool needs to be dealt with. Or somebody needs some prayer or whatever. we got to get up and pray. Listen, I don't say that in a bad way. I say that that is the reality of it. And David was distressed because his people were distressed. And I love how the Bible says, and the people talked of stoning him. 
They didn't just vote you out in those days. They took you out. Somebody needs to put that on Twitter. I'm not there Twitter. That was pretty good. There, listen, can I tell you, in the climate we live in, there have been a lot of people sharing their opinions. There's a, we've been really paying attention to some of our pastor social media groups and some other pastors that live out of town. And I can tell you some horror stories of some of these pastors being drugged through the mud, being accused because they're opening too soon, not opening enough. Because everything's political now. You wear a mask, you're a certain party. You don't wear a mask, you're another party. Everything is divisive, and these pastors are feeling persecution from their people to be a certain way, talk a certain way, think a certain way. Can I thank you, River of Life, for not doing that? In fact, I, I, amen. Can I thank you for that? In fact, a few weeks ago, before we had our opening, we showed up one morning, and the, tr- the front lawn of the church was filled with signs saying, amen, preach it, amen. We are the church. All of our church sayings, and I, can I tell you, that was the biggest shot in the arm. I got that. I took some pictures, and I keep them on my phone to encourage. I want to say thank you for that. The second point is reset. Second point is reset. In sports, I love this thing that we had called halftime. Halftime. You see, sometimes when the game is going long, a little timeout just won't do. you got to have halftime. What is halftime? Halftime is the halfway point of the contest that you go into the locker room all by yourself. It's away from the noise of the crowd. The pace of the game stops, and it's just you and your teammates. Somebody say quarantine. Are, we, are light bulbs going off yet in some of our hearts? I hope quarantine taught us how to get alone with God for ourselves. I hope quarantine taught us how to intercede for ourselves. I hope quarantine taught us how to study the word of God for ourselves. I hope quarantine taught us something good. This is halftime. I want to talk about this. The Bible calls this the night season. There's a difference between all night and all night. We used to sing the song in church when I think of his goodness and what he's done for me. I could jump, 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 jump all night, and the whole bridge went all night about 20 times. All night, all night, all night, and we, everything was super fast. Those were some fun times. We might even bust them out one Sunday. You're like, oh, I got. There's that all night, and there's up all night because you got a fever and you're sick, and it's all night. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus was calling his disciples, and he said, Peter, have you guys caught any fish? And he said, Lord, we've been toiling all night and ain't caught nothing. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you have just been working and laboring all night and you ain't called on? See, listen, God seems to do his best work during the darkness. I want to talk about this. The night season is where God works without us getting in his way. My wife, when my kids were very little, it was, you know, we had four kids and their, their groups kind of close. Not super close, but kind of close. So a lot of times my wife would just, we were outnumbered. So we were just trying to get through the day. So I hear the vacuuming running at 2.30 in the morning and, and dishes clanging. I get up, what are you doing? And she'd be, it's the only time I can, the kids are sleeping, so now I can do housework and I can do things like that. That's just, that's just the reality of it. I think that God does that to us sometimes once we get all of our wisdom out of the way. Once we get done telling God how he needs to do things and we finally fall asleep, God says, okay, now the baby's down, I can do some work. I believe that's what's happening in these dark times. It's just like that seed that goes in the ground. It goes in the dirt. What's happening in the dirt? It's dark. There's pressure. Oh, it's uncomfortable. 
There's no sunlight. There's no oxygen. There's no, there's no pleasantry. It's just dark. It's uncomfortable. But can I tell you, if you can withstand the process, you see, the process isn't what's going to kill you. The process is what's going to get you to fulfill your destiny because the seed has to go through that process to be that beautiful tree, to be that beautiful flower. And the same is with you and with me. The process isn't meant to kill us. It's meant to help us to fulfill our destiny if you can just make it through. Oh, that was good. That was good. Look at Genesis 1-2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the darkness. Picture the darkness. Let me tell you something. God is not afraid of darkness. Let me say it like this. God is not afraid of your darkness. God ain't afraid. God's not intimidated by those dark secrets. God's not confused by your darkness. God wants to work. But you know what? The spirit is just hovering. He's not going to do it without your permission. You're running from God. You're struggling to, to just distance yourself from God. You're just missing out. You're prolonging the situation. Because only God can go into that time of darkness and heal that deep wound that no one else knows about. Only God can go into that time of darkness and mend the brokenhearted and deliver from the secret sin and deliver from the secret temptation. Don't be afraid to let God in your darkness because God's not afraid of your darkness. He's going to shine his light and get rid of it. I love how the Bible says in John that in him was light and that he is the light and in him was light that darkness could not comprehend. It didn't mean the darkness can't understand it. It means that the darkness cannot overshadow it. I love that. I ain't got time to go on that. Luke chapter 2 tells us the birth of Christ was at night. Luke twenty two forty four. when Jesus was on the cross, the Bible says it was dark. The closer you are to the remedy, the further you will be from the unraveling. Let me say it like this. Jesus never promised that he would wave a wand and get us out of our trials. He said he'd bring us through. He doesn't always remove the storm. But he changes how we go through it. Sometimes we get a little antsy. Sometimes we get a little antsy while God is working. I remember some of our, our get-togethers from some of our family. We have a southern heritage, so we could eat really good and shoot really good. Just the way it was, guys. Some of our family that watch us online. Some of you might remember those big potlucks we'd get together at Aunt Retta's house. All the ants would be cooking. All the cousins would be cooking. We'd come in. We'd smell the fried chicken. Everything was fried. Fried chicken, fried catfish, fried, fried steak, chicken fried steak. I don't even know what that is. It's just good. Homemade coleslaw, homemade potatoes. I mean, you talk about the spread, the cornbread, the sweet tea. That's what we grew up on. And I remember being a little kid being antsy. Oh, I want some of that, but I had to wait my turn in line. But I was so small, I could just go. Before I knew it, I was up there getting my plate, getting my cornbread, getting my this, getting my that. Sometimes that's how we get with God. We get antsy. Now, listen, I, I got to keep going. I, I, the time is getting away from me. I, I know we, we need to go. Number three, guys, we need to reposition. Somebody say a new game plan. See, he called in verse 7, he called for Abiathar the priest. Listen, after halftime, things change in basketball. Can I tell you one more story? We grew up, and one of the highlights of our basketball year was to go to this championship down to the Detroit Armory down at 8 Mile. 
And we grew up and our schools were small, our little gymnasiums were small. So we would go to the, to the armory down in Detroit, which was a full-size court, bleachers, had the whole bit. And all the schools in the area would go there and have a tournament. So I, can re I remember going there and it was all nerve-wracking and it was, you know, it was just like intimidating. And we'd get there and I remember we played the game. And I was a pretty good player. I, I could shoot really good, some good threes, that sort of thing. But I was always real shy when game time came. So I just wanted to pass the ball. Just pass, pass, pass. Because I was just a little intimidated and a little shy. And I'll never forget that we went, in, we went into the first half, and, you know, we were within the game. It was doing pretty good. And, and uh, we come out of halftime, and I hadn't had my thoughts right because you see something that happens in most sports, and especially in basketball, at halftime, you switch goals. You switch baskets. In the first play of the second half, the ball gets inbounded to me, and I got this clear shot, and I just, it was a switch. I mean, it had the snap. You know what I'm talking about? You got the switch, then you got the snap when it just gets shot. I mean, it was right in there, and I was all, nobody was clapping. I was like, come, I look at the scoreboard, and the other team had two points. I said, what's going on? And it dawned on me, I was shooting in the baskets. Church, can I tell you, without you getting too mad at me, many of us are coming out of quarantine still shooting in the old basket. And we wonder why we don't have any points in our game. God has reset the stage for us. He's reset our life for us. It's time that we come out and start shooting in the right basket. It's time that we come out and start being the right way. It's time that we start looking the right way and talking the right way and acting the right way and being the right way. Amen? I'm trying to fast forward this. Also in verse 7, he surrounded himself. you got to surround yourself with some good people. He's called. Who, who, he didn't call for the gossip. He didn't call for the talk show. He called for Abiathar, the priest. I love this. His name means the great one is Father. Man, I love these, these deep Hebrew names that have meaning. The great one is Father. Michael, who is like the Lord? Shema, the Lord is present. What we got in America? Daryl. If you're a Daryl, I love you. God bless you. Your name's awesome. I'm just joking. But you know what I'm saying? His name said it all about him. The great one is Father. Sometimes you need to break away from the naysayers and the doubt peddlers. You need to break away and surround yourself with some good people. Hopefully during quarantine, you got to delete some people. And you got to link up with some other people that's going to help you. And I love in verse 7, he asked for the ephod. The ephod was the priestly garment that the priest would wear. This was telling us that David was looking for spiritual guidance. In the ephod were these two things called the umum and the, the urim and the thummim. These were two things that Exodus tells us that, that, that all the way from Moses that they would use these things to understand the will of God, to understand what God was directing them to do. And this speaks that he was wanting to get back to what God was saying. Guys, I wish I had some more time to expound on this, but if there's one thing we can leave today with understanding during the time that we're going on, and if we're going to have a recovery, is that we have to understand that it's time to get back to doing and believing what God says. We're growing up in a generation that is probably one of the most biblically illiterate, and I don't mean that as a put down where we're more content to have a song or a worship playlist going on than to read our word of God, and that's why we're getting deceived, and that's why we're getting hurt, and that's why we're hurting others, because we need to have a lack of the word of God. It's time that we get back to doing what the word of God says says and reading what the word of God has to say. It's time to stop being surrounded and dictated by our political party, by aunt so-and-so and grandma so-and-so and get back to what the word of God says. This is what David was doing. He said, my village is on fire. My family's gone. I don't know what to do, God. What do you want me to do? And I would to God that some of us would do that in this society in this time right now. Amen. The last one, number four. 
I love this. A rebound. And this is, I waited all, all week, all, all week to get to this last point. Is a rebound. Matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead. Peter, worship team, why don't you guys come on up just so I know I'll, I'll hurry up. Rebound. What is a rebound? Rebound is, like I said earlier, when the shot hits the rim and bounces off, it's a, it's a second chance. You can maintain your possession. Look at verse 8. David said, shall I pursue? The Bible says, yes, without fail, recover all. See, our, our coach had one saying that he would always say to us, follow your shot. Follow your shot. I hated to hear that. Follow your shot. I thought if you made your shot, you wouldn't have to follow it. But you had to follow your shot. Follow your shot. We didn't understand it, but he understood the power of what's called a rebound. You see, in basketball, you have a lot of sizzling things. You have dunk competitions. You know, the famous one of Jordan jumping from the free throw. You've got all the different spins. You've got the windmill. You know, they got the three-point competition. They got the, but the one element of the game that there's really no hype over is the rebound. Can I tell you, because rebound is really not that pretty. Rebound is really not that impressive. But rebound will keep you in the game. There was a guy that I was a big fan of his team, and I think we got his picture you may see his face. His name was Dennis Rodman. And I'm not talking about the polarizing figure of news. I'm talking about the rebounder. He was perhaps the greatest rebounder of all time. But this dude was crazy. His number was 91. Come on. This guy would come out. You got to understand, he would come out every game. His hair was different. He had stuff in his hair. You know, he, he would look a certain way. He would be a certain way. He acted a certain way. He was the one of the first. Nowadays, it's not a big deal because everyone at the press conference shows up with the crazy suits and the feathers. And This was before all that was, he was the only one doing that, okay? But listen to this guy. He was one of the best of all time. His nickname was The Worm. He had won five NBA championships with the Pistons and the Bulls. Five. Two defensive player of the years, named to seven all-defensive first teams, won the rebounding title seven times. For his career, he averaged 13 rebounds a game, an NBA record of 159 games with over 20 rebounds. The closest person only had 95. He became a student of the art of rebounding. In a magazine interview, he was asked the secret to his rebounding, and he said, it's position, position, position. He would anticipate the shot missing. When it left the hand of the shooter, he would already anticipate the shot missing, and he would battle for position. And if you would watch a game film, you would see he was constantly moving, trying to get the other players out of the way because he knew that position was the best chance for him to get the ball. In the documentary, The Last Dance, it was revealed that he would actually bring teammates and friends to an empty gymnasium and have them shoot from all over the court so he could study how the ball bounced. This dude made a career of studying other people's failures. I leave you with this. The scenario that I mentioned earlier, let me tell you, yeah, the ball has bounced. 2020 served us a dud so far. But can I tell you, the game is not over. There's still a little bit more time on the clock. The whistle hasn't blown. The buzzer hasn't blown. And can I tell you that the one standing under your basket is not number 91 with the crazy hair. It's number 7. It's the son of the living God. The one with nail scars in his hand. The one that has all the championship titles. The one that has all the trophies. The one that has never lost it is there to rebound your life if you just get into right position. Would you stand to your feet with us this morning? The game is not over. Let me leave you with a last thought if you're taking notes. Rebounding oftentimes gets you into a better position to score. Oftentimes when that ball bounces and your teammate gets it, he's in a better chance to score. If you read verses 18 and 19, you see these words. 
And David recovered all. David recovered all. We're going to get through this season. We're going to get through this year. Peter's going to lead us in this song. Talking about a victory. And you at home, drop it in the chat. If you need a victory, I want you to write in there, I need a victory. Maybe your victory is a healing in your body. Put your hand on that part of this body. Maybe it's emotional in mind. Put your hand there. And we're going to sing this song as we are dismissed and as we go. And I want this to be prophetic. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.